Hello, welcome to the Positive Posting Conversation, the show about how to have a better relationship with your dog and cat. I'm Zazie Todd, author of the books Wag and Purr and creator of Companion Animal Psychology blog. My co-host Christy Benson is a dog trainer and anthropologist and she also works for the Academy for Dog Trainers. We don't give advice on your pet, so if you have concerns, see your veterinarian, dog trainer or cat behaviourist as appropriate. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we chat with author and dog trainer Sassafras Lowry about her books, including her activity book for cats, Claw This Journal, and what we give our cats awards for. We also get her tips for aspiring writers and chat about the books we're reading. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Positive Post in Conversation. I'm Zazie Todd, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Christy Benson. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. And I'm really pleased that today we've got an absolutely wonderful guest joining us to talk about her books. Sassafras Lowry is a certified professional dog trainer, CPDTKA, a certified trick dog instructor, CTDI, an AKC CGC trick dog evaluator, and also an AKC fit dog instructor. Sassafras's dog training books include Tricks in the City, and to this journal, and Sassafras is an author and a multimedia educator who writes regularly about dog training for leading national publications. So her dog training articles have regularly appeared in places like Dogster, The Barp, Modern Dog, and with the American Kennel Club, as well as in mainstream publications such as Wired, Apartment Therapy, and The New York Times. And as well, Sassafras was recently the recipient of a Cat Writers Association Muse Medallion Award for her magazine work about cat training. Congratulations, Sassafras. That's awesome and very well deserved. Thank and you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. And the main reason that we're talking to you today is because of your wonderful book, Claw This Journal which is fantastic. I love it. It's so full of activities to do with your cat. It's really fun, all different kinds of things in there. And it's got space for people to write in it as well. So you can do the activities, you can keep track of what you're doing. There's sections, there's even a section on decoding your cat's meows. It's just lovely. So tell me about this book, Sassafras, and why you decided to write it. Yeah. So this is a book that was so much fun to put together. I feel like there are not enough necessarily like ideas about enrichment and play with cats out there. And so I was really excited to be able to bring together some of my favorite activities and things to the, to encourage people to have more fun with their cats, try new things with them. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it was a ton of fun to do and really came out of conversations that I have had with cat lovers wanting to get ideas for different things that they can do with their cats. One of the things that I really like about this book and and the um, your similar book for dogs is that there's room and places for you to write, which I think helps prompt people to think. You know, I think you're, th- you're actually I, th- I liked how it made me think about my own cat and the stuff that I do with my cat. So one of the sort of the parts that you had was about your meeting with your cat. So what was your meeting with your cat thing? So just tell us about that. Yeah. So um, currently have one cat. His name is Thing. He is nine and a half, which doesn't actually seem possible to me. Um, But we had a a pretty eventful first meeting. I was living in New York City. I was walking home. It was fairly late at night in the middle of a snowstorm. And there are in, in many communities, but definitely in Brooklyn, where I live, there are a lot of feral cats. And we saw, I was walking home with my partner, and we, in the middle of the snow, saw something dart into from a pile of trash bags on the street. 
New York to a snowbank. And we thought it was a rat at first. And then we saw it move again. And we realized it was a very, very small kitten. Uh, and so I immediately start pulling dog treats out of my pocket. And I'm trying to entice this very small kitten who was alone out of this snowbank and out of in between bags of trash because there is a, a blizzard, in fact, coming in that night. Uh, and so as we're trying to catch this kitten, the bodega owner from across the street comes out very kindly with some cat food because he fed the feral cats uh, in the neighborhood and he proceeds to attempt to help us catch this kitten. Uh, he has gloves on. He catches the kitten thing, the, cat, the kitten that became thing, bites him, um, breaks a tooth off on this guy's glove. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and he's like, do you still want this cat? And I'm like, yes. Because now I can't leave this kitten outside. We bring it home. We already had two dogs and two cats at this point. Um, and he immediately charmed his way into everybody's hearts and uh, ended up ultimately being raised by my um, senior dogs at the time. And the the senior cats were like, we don't know what you are, but you, you, can, you can stay. So that was... Um, the very eventful way that we met thing. That is quite an origin story for the cat. <laughs> thing is obviously a very special cat. And one of the things that I love about this book is you have a section called Best in Show. And it's about how amazing all cats are, but how every cat is amazing in their own way. And I really love that. And actually that set me thinking about my cats. And I'm also going to ask Christy what her cats will get awards for too, because I think I love the way this book is such a conversation starter. But so for Thing, what awards have you made for Thing? Have you made any? What would you make for Thing? Mm. I think that, you know, Thing is a very special cat, but I think his top prize is probably Pizza Thief. He... <laughs> He is a kitten and we, you know, we, we like to say it's probably his origins. We think he was about six weeks old when we found him, you know, uh, and so he had probably been surviving on bagels and pizza crusts and things like that. But he, he is a little carb fiend and, um, you have to wa have to watch your pizza slices because he definitely can make <laughs> off with a, um, a pretty good size slice of pizza. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Don't recommend. It's not good for cats. But if he had his way, he would he would be the ultimate pizza thief. Yeah, it's what he would like. Awesome. And Christy, what would you give Apricot an award for? You know, I think it would be hard. It, there, there's going to be like for a second and third for him. But definitely lap. He is an inveterate lap cat. He needs tons of lap time. And so when I'm gone, Yoan will sometimes, my wife will sometimes, you know, send me a message and just be like, Apricot's on my lap again. Like I can't even stand up. Because I, I work at home. So he's on my lap, you know, most of the day. I think he's he's either in, you know, uh, on my chair or nearby. So when, when I when I go away, she's just like, wow, I, I didn't realize how much lap time he needs. So de he's definitely going to be like the winner for the lap. Um, any lap competition. Sorry, other cats and dogs. <laughs> But he also, he really likes to, and I, I think it's probably a reinforcement um, sort of contingency that I've set up. He likes to walk across my keyboard and and bat at my screen. Like earlier today, I was having a banjo lesson and, and Apricot was just like, that your banjo instructor's going down. And so he was hitting my screen repeatedly. And then and then it was, I was like, what was that? I, I didn't quite, you know, like my computer was just wobbling around as I tried to what chord is that? Yeah. And then I was, I'll just put him on my lap behind my banjo. It's okay. So 
But that would definitely be his number one and number two, I think, would be the laugh. And then the I call it pestering, you know, very fondly, but he he definitely likes to get and here he comes. He's like, You've you called human? Yes. <laughs> he's very good at those video games that four cats that you can swipe at the He item. should be, yeah. He loves it. He's all about it. He's like, smack it down. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I love that Apricot came to join us too. My cats would not win for that time. I have two cats. They would definitely not win for that. But Melina would win for being conversational because she's very, very talkative. She's a tortoiseshell cat. So she lives up to that reputation that tortoiseshells have of being very, very chatty. And she makes all kinds of noises. It's not just meows. It's lots of chirrups. And you can have a long conversation with her if you meow at her. But she does even like, mm kind of noises and if you go mm, she'll go mm. and lots of very beautiful cheer-ups so she she's always talking she's always saying something so that's what she would win for as for harley i kind of joke about harley and i make out that he's not a very clever cat but it's not true because when he cares about something he's incredibly clever and the thing he is so good at is opening doors and he can open all of the doors pretty much so if it's a door with a handle that you push down he can jump up and he can push it down so that the door opens if he's on the wrong side of that door some of our doors don't actually shut properly because it's an older house so he can put his paw underneath and he can open it that way and then we have a door that's a sliding door that slides like, like a pocket door it slides into the wall so if that door is closed he can put his paw underneath it again and he just jiggles it about until it starts to open and then he puts his paw up and, and opens it that way and all of the cupboard doors in the hall he can open all of those <laughs> basically you cannot keep this cat out of anywhere unless you actually put a latch on or lock it <laughs> um, and he opens the cupboard doors in the kitchen one time I found him curled up in a frying pan in the kitchen cupboard so <laughs> His prize is for opening doors. Um, luckily, we have one door that we have around the doorknob on, which is against building code because a lot of people struggle to open those round round doorknobs. But we have one, and that's the only door that he cannot open. <laughs> so that's his prize. <laughs> wow. Very good talent. And I love that your book made me think about these things, Sassafras. I think that's really cool. <laughs> so you have... Um, I think we're talking sort of about enrichment. I feel like for Apricot, slapping the screen is pretty enriching for him. <laughs> At least I try and frame it that way. So I'm not like, I just want to work. Then <laughs> um, you have a lot of enrichment in this book, which I think is great. And I think, as you already mentioned, this is just, and you did too, South Frost, is something that people miss for cats. You know, I think a lot of people are thinking about it for dogs, but it's not, I don't think it's really reached cat, the cat world as much. Um, so why is enrichment so important for cats? And, and what, what sort of, what's your cat's favorite enrichment um, activity? Yeah, I think it's such a exciting topic to be, that's just, I feel like, starting to really become more popular or talked about more in the cat world. I think we think, when we think about enrichment, it's often about dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and we're like, cats are easy pets. They just sleep all day. And it's like, no, no, our cats really, really benefit when they have opportunities to use their brains and when they have opportunities to get more active. And it's such a great way to bond with them. So I love trying out different enrichment activities. And so in the, in the book, I, it's divided out in like different kinds of, you know, cat personality ideas and, you know, it's just for fun, but not every cat is going to enjoy the same things. Um, there were a variety of activities in the book that thing would not be a fan of, but his definite favorite things in terms of enrichment, he, um, because he was so young when we found him and we had very senior cats, they 
can't remember how old they were at the time. They passed when they were 20 and 21. So I think they must have been like 15 when we found him. Uh, and he was, they were like, you're not part of us. So he became really connected to the dogs because the, the older cats were like, you're, you are active and young and not one of us. They were litter mates. So he was always very excited about what I was doing with the dogs. So his favorite enrichment definitely is he likes to get involved in trick training that I'm doing, but on his terms. So it's all on his terms. Uh, if the treats are out, he's like, we will do, I would like treats, please. So he has, he's very good at spin. He'll sit, he'll give you a high five. He enjoys doing some trick training. Um, but his all-time favorite is probably his window bird feeders. So we have, some bird feeders that are outside the window and he will very happily sit and just watch the different birds that come to eat them. So uh, every year for his birthday, he's been the last couple of years, he's gotten another bird feeder to watch. So now he has like a whole little array of um, channels. I love that. And you've got so many different enrichment activities in the book. And I think they're all fun for the cat, but also fun for the person. Um, and one of the things you have a section about, I love that you have this section on giving back for cats in the community. So as far as cats are concerned, what do you think are the best ways to give back? Um, what kinds of ideas have you put in the book? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the best way to give back to cats is ultimately going to be what works for for you. We're all in different positions. We're all in different places. So, you know, for some people that might look like fostering or doing, you know, um, you know, spay and neuter with, um, you know, feral colonies of cats. For other people, it's donating to organizations that are working with cats. Um, there's activities in the books about making um, cat beds to donate. And so things like that, you know, there's really something I think all of us can do depending on our skill sets and where we are and what our life looks like, that kind of thing. For sure. I think, um, so Earlier, we spoke to you about your um, your the the book that you have written that's similar to this book for dogs. And I know Zazie and I were talking about this, but it's it's interesting writing that that you're writing for both cats and dogs. And I know there's a lot of people who have both, but I also think just you know not scientifically that there's sort of a Venn diagram, and there's certainly people who are all dog and people who are all cat, and they're, they're going to be a little bit different. I think in my mind at least. So I'm, I I guess I'm, I'm we're curious about what what differences do you find about writing for cats, recognizing that some people will be in the both camp, um, but some people will definitely be very much in the cat camp. What sort of pro was it different? I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always such an interesting, um, I don't want to say challenge, but it's always an interesting puzzle to make sure <laughs> to appeal to the people that are like deep cat people. <laughs> you are, yeah. um, I think there's a lot of us that are in both, that are both dog people and cat people. And yes. then there are the cat people that are very like, if you do things with dogs, I am so not interested. Um, so it's always a little challenging. I've actually written um, for cat magazines and about cats for gosh over 10 years. Um, though I think a lot of people are, don't necessarily know that. And I think it's because the cat people have their own world and the dog people kind of have their other world. So sometimes dog folks will be like, I didn't know you did things with cats. And I'm like, Yes, yes, I do. Um, you know, I think putting together this book, you know, it was, you know, it came about um, because of the, I had won the Muse Medallion from Cat Writers Association for an article in Catster Magazine about trick training with cats. It was a cover story um, in 20. 2020 or 2021, uh, 2021, I think. And for the magazine. And so when I won the news medallion, the publisher of the dog book was like, we should, we should talk about cat activities. 
And I had to, and I thought about it for a minute. It was like, yeah, we absolutely should. Sort of going back to this conversation that we were having a couple minutes ago about enrichment being kind of not as commonly thought about for cat people. So when I was putting the cat book together, you know, it really was not different necessarily than the dog book um, in terms of sort of like my writing process, but I was very, very thoughtful of, you know, making sure that the activities in the book were things that cats were going to enjoy and that different kinds of cats would enjoy and that there would be something for, you know, for all cats from the the very outgoing social, maybe sort of like dog-like cats that people will, um, or if you know, as, as we'll maybe describe them to cats that are, are much more shy and reserved. And I wanted, you know, to have things in there for, you know, for every cat. Do you find that there's stuff that like thinking again about Venn diagrams, is there stuff that you would say is only for dogs, stuff that would be good for both and stuff that's only for cats? Did you have that sort of in your mind? What would you, if someone, if, you know, if you're cornered, what would you, <laughs> what bucket would you put certain things in? Ooh, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think that it's, um, it's tricky because, you know, cats are so, so different. So like, for example, I would absolutely never, ever take my cat thing um, out to a pet-friendly store. That would not be fun and exciting for him. He would find that very, very scary. A cat that I had that um, 20 years ago was a cat who absolutely loved going places, like from a tiny kitten to the day that he passed. He was like super outgoing. Nothing scared him. He would have loved that. Uh, and so I think that there are, and I think most cats probably fall closer into the camp of going backpacking, going, you know, out hiking, that kind of stuff, probably not what they want to be doing. Uh, probably more of a dog activity, but there are absolutely cats that enjoy those things. Uh, so I tended to err on the side of activities that were closer to home for more of the activities in Claw This Journal, though certainly there are kitty exceptions to that. Right. For <laughs> sure. I know be, being in, I used to be into sled dog sports and I couldn't even count on all my fingers and toes the number of times people have sent me. It's like a, I think it's like a, a Facebook video of a cat that ski jores. And I'm like, okay, this is cool, but no, that's like, I've never <laughs> met a cat like that. No. Yeah. Like there's always like that one, like TikTok cat. cat that is like, and it does all the things. And it's like, I, I believe that cat is clearly having a good time. Nothing oh, yeah, in that yeah. video is indicating that that cat is stressed or unhappy, but that's a one in a million cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And I, I think one of the things that I love about your writing, not just in this book, but the dog books as well, and in Tricks in the City too, is that you're, you've thought about different creatures and what they individually might like, and you've made sure that there is something for everyone's cat or everyone's dog, and you've been clear about what kinds of things to think about as to whether a certain activity would be appropriate for your own pet. So I think that's that's a really nice thing to do. So, Yeah. Thank you for that. And you're such an accomplished writer because you also write for children. And your, I think it's your most recent book, um, Jillian at the Junior Showcase. Um, tell us about this book. Yeah. So uh, Jillian at the Junior Showcase was is my most recent book released uh, in January. And it is a chapter book for young readers, really all readers, that is uh, set in dog shows. Uh, and Jillian is a young um, girl who really, really wants an agility dog of her own. She attends kennel club with all of her friends. And one day she finds a little terrier mix behind the gas station that has been abandoned there. And 
is hoping that that dog will become the agility dog of her dreams. So that was a super fun book to write. Um, I've done a lot of writing uh, about junior handlers and within the dog show world. And so it was very fun to be able to create a, a fictionalized twist on that story. Very fun. Um, I mean, uh, just the amount of, of writing that you do and the sort of the variety of your audience is pretty it's pretty amazing. Um, so you do have this productive career um, in writing and you have traditionally published books and also independently published books. And you write a lot of pieces for dog magazines and as we're learning cat magazines, um, which is pretty cool. So uh, in the past, you had to take a big leap to get to where you are. Um, and what kind of advice do you have for a, an aspiring writer? We, Zazie and I interface with a lot of aspiring writers um, in our work with the Academy. So so this is like, I, I think, a question close to my heart. Yeah. I mean, I think the big biggest advice that I always give to aspiring writers is to just start writing and to start putting your work out there in whatever ways you can, whatever platforms you have to not be worried about or try not to be worried about sort of like landing, you know, whatever you sort of like the, the big writing moment is that for in my experience, it's really about, it's a slow build. You know, I was freelance writing um, for 10 years on the side while I had a day job. I was using my vacation time from my day job to go on book tours um, and writing my books uh, on on my commute on the subway in New York. And so it's only been, I'm coming up on which is four years that I've been writing full time um, and been able to sort of make that leap to freelance writing and the books being able to be a full-time income. But, and so I always remind, or I always encourage aspiring writers to not sort of be too concerned about getting to that point, but it's really about, it's that slow build. It's getting your work out there, however you can writing the things that you're interested in writing and figuring out what makes your writing, whether it's nonfiction or fiction or both unique and what that niche for that is, and then just go for it. Mm. So as a full-time writer, what what is what what do your day look like? If you don't mind. I mean, yeah, I, I no. know it's kind of a personal question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am somebody, I'm a morning person. And so I tend to get up fairly early. I try to keep a kind of nine to well, like earlier than nine, but like try I try to keep sort of a daily nine to five-ish schedule for writing, especially because otherwise it could sort of be something that I am doing from the minute I wake up to the minute I fall asleep. So I try to get up and answer emails and work, figure out what articles I need to work on for the day and then um, try to stop in the evening and also take weekends off. It's been something that's been really important to me in terms of creating boundaries around it when I was no longer um, having sort of right in any free pocket of moment I had around other work. For sure. Zazie, how do you feel about, I mean, what's your process like? Is it similar? Um, I try to keep part of the day just for for writing every day. And I write something every day, Um, but I have other things to do as well. So sometimes sometimes I'm distracted and don't get as much done as I would like. But I like to keep things ticking over all of the time. For me, that's quite important to always be working and to end somewhere where I know where I'm going to be picking up the next day. I find that really, really helpful. But I also need time away. Like 
the thinking time is not at my desk. It's when I'm out with the dog outside or I'm doing yard work or listening to the birds singing or something like that. That's when I get the thinking done. So it's not just having the time to be at my desk writing. It's making sure that I've got the time when I think I'm not thinking about anything. And that's when the ideas come or I solve some of the problems. So I have to have that time too. Yeah. And yeah. Sassafras, I actually want to ask you, because you write across so many different genres and you write fiction and nonfiction and you write the mag magazine articles as well as longer pieces. Do you find that helpful in terms of your writing process? Do you like to switch from one to another within the day or do you prefer to be sticking on to one thing during the day? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm somebody that I, I absolutely love sort of the uh challenge but also the excitement of of freelance writing for me and so that every day is different and similar to you some of the the big sort of thinking happens not when i'm sitting at my desk so even though i'm like i try to sort of keep this writing schedule that writing schedule also looks like going outside with my dog or like biking to the post office to send some mail and then in the process i'm thinking through the writing and i'm constantly sort of context switching between those things so i think Last year, I wrote 350-something articles for online publications and magazines. So there's always sort of this constant flow um, that I'm in, and I really like that context switching. It, I think it keeps me uh, focused in a backwards-sounding way uh, that if I get stuck or I'm not sure what's happening with a book I'm working on or I'm not quite clear on where I want to go with an article, I can always swap to another one, make some progress there and then jump back. And so for me, it helps me to feel, I often find that the time away from it is sort of like a, a, a problem in a writing piece, uh, helps me come back with a solution, even if I'm not actively thinking about it. Do you find that too, Christy, if you're writing something that time away from it is what helps you to get something finished? Or because I think some of your pieces, it seems that you already have quite a well prepared idea before you sit down to write it. So how does that work for you? Yeah, it really depends on which piece, I guess. Sometimes I know like after Misha passed away, I, I essentially had it all in my head and I just wrote it all at once. And then I almost didn't change anything. But some of the other stuff that I write, I, I think I like, I baby it along for so many months and just changing like two or three words and being like, ah, it's not good enough yet. <laughs> like that. So, um, but I, I don't write full time, you know? So, so it's, it's very much with like when the inspiration strikes me, I'll, I'll sit down and write. So I think it's a, probably a bit easier for me. <laughs> I love those magical moments where like you were describing that you just have sort of this, this clear sense of what it's supposed to be and you write it and almost nothing changes. That's, yeah. that's, that, that's the magic moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I also like opening up something that I've been working on for a long time though. And just being like, God, I, I wrote this. Like, look at that turn of phrase. <laughs> it's so nice. You know? yes. <laughs> yeah. It's good when that happens. This does not always happen to me. Sometimes I'm looking at it and thinking, oh no, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh, that, oh, for sure. I, I sometimes, I sometimes like even, I, I think I have a little bit of a CER. Like if I, uh, if I'm about to reshare an old blog or something, I'll be like, don't open it. Just don't open it, Christy. Just, you know, you know, you know how you feel about this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I absolutely love Claudia's journal and I just want to recommend it to everyone who's watching this or listening to this. I think you'll love it. If you have a dog as well or instead, then get to this journal because it's equally brilliant. Sassafras, before we move on to the next section, is there anything else that you want to tell us about your books? Oh, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And what's your website and where, where should people go if they want to learn more about you? 
Uh, so my website is sassafraslowry.com. I'm also sassafraslowry on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So I'm on, on all the social media places. Brilliant. Thank you. So we're going to move on to the next section about books. And I'm really looking forward to finding out which book you're going to tell us about. But I'm going to start with the book club book because that's what we always do. So this month, the book club is reading On Animals by Susan Orlean. And this is a collection of short pieces. Actually, they've all previously been published. I think most of them were published in the New Yorker magazine some of them in the Smithsonian, and they're about all kinds of animals. So she's curious about all kinds of animals, and she loves animals. And she writes a bit about her own pets and her own farm animals. And for example, there's one about chickens, and she she writes about her own, but she also draws in what we know about other people keeping chickens and how it came to suddenly be trendy after a while and things like that. She's got something about um, a lady who keeps lots of tigers. Um, so she's got some quite out there stories. They're not all stories about her own pets and, and regular things and it's just really fun and interesting and they're all quite short so it's an easy book to dip into there's lots of little short sections so that's what the book club is reading this month I haven't quite finished it yet but I'm, I'm quite a way through and I'm, I'm really enjoying it I think it's 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 a fun read it's definitely very interesting so Sassafras what are you reading at the moment yeah, so I uh, last week took a deep tumble into a whole new um, book series that I'm now obsessed with. I had to take my bike in to get serviced, and there was a little independent comic store next door that I haven't been into in far too long. And I walked in and was immediately confronted with uh, Doomsday with my dog, which is a manga series. And I don't read a lot of manga, but I was like, clearly I need to have this. Uh, and then I needed the second book in the series. And it's uh, just delightful. It's, I'm not normally a like post-apocalyptic kind of person, but it's great. And it centers this uh, teenager, young adult uh, girl in Japan with her uh, Shiba Inu. And the world has ended and they're the only, well, I guess there's a couple of their dogs they end up encountering, but she's the only person left in the world. And they are just on this kind of delightful journey and rumination on life and their connection together. So yeah, um, I'm now obsessed. And the third book I believe comes out this summer. So yeah, that's my, that's my new literary obsession. Awesome. Something to look forward to. Who is that by? And is it the same author and illustrator? Uh, it is. And uh, it is, uh, I think the pronunciation is you, Ishara, and is, uh, author illustrator. Perfect. And I'll put the details in, in the show notes for this. So thank you. That sounds brilliant. Um, and Christy, what are you reading at the moment? Well, I got a couple of just like novels on the go. I'm just about to go on vacation. So I'm, I'm gearing up to vacation. Um, but the book that I'm going to share is um, a couple of days ago, a dog training colleague of mine, we were just chatting and she was saying, oh, a student in one of her classes had asked for a book just about general dog behavior and had sort of suggested a book that wasn't great um, saying, how do you feel about this? So, so, you know, my colleague wasn't aware of it. So we, we ended up talking and she's like, what should I recommend instead? And I looked over and like on my shelf was a, a book, Comparative Animal Behavior, which is a textbook that Jean had sent me. So I sort of, I had it down and I took a picture. I'm like, you know what? Textbooks can be, for people who have that kind of curiosity, textbooks, I mean, they're curated infor, information, you know, um, you know, it's not going to be like, I did a Google and found a single source. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so guess what? <laughs> um, and also like it's written for undergrads. So it's written in like kind of an easy to sort of consume way. So I started poking through it again and just got drawn in again, just to like how deeply fascinating both animal behavior is as a thing, but also just the fact I find it interesting that people study this stuff, you know, like there was like monogamy and shrimp. And I'm like, this is something that, that there's, there's, there's literally researchers in the world who are like applying for grants, you know, and, and writing and studying this. And this is like, this is their life's work. I, so I just, I found it fascinating on like an actual level, like, oh, interesting. The, the oceanic frigate um, or man of war bird is stealing prey, but also like, wow, humans are so curious and so into their thing that we get this, which is like hundreds of interesting people putting together all of these thoughts. So that's my book of the of the week. I love how we have such different books. And who is that, <laughs> who is that one by, Christy? Um, this is uh, Richard Mayer, I think would be how you'd pronounce that. M-A-I-E-R. Cool. Compared to animal behavior. Thank you. And mine is a novel. It's called Bad Cree and it's by Jessica Johns. And it is, I love it. It is about someone, she wakes up, um, she... So she grew up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and now she lives in Vancouver. And she wakes up after having had a very, very vivid dream of running through some woods. And she has a branch in her hand from when she was running through the woods. And it's just there. And then it's gone. And this keeps on happening to her. So she keeps bringing things back from her dreams. And as well, she's being followed around by crows, like perching outside her apartment or following her on a walk if she's walking to work or to the beach. And she's also. And partly in her dreams, but also in her life, she's processing something to do with the death of her one of her older sisters as well. And so she doesn't know how to deal with this. It's quite spooky and the tension really builds. And she comes to realize that she has to go back to Grand Prairie to her family and her sisters and her aunties um, and her female cousins are going to help her to solve this problem of what to do about the dreams. And is she at risk in the dreams? What's because it's quite dark, some of the things that happen in the dreams, and they're related to the, the loss of her sister. So um, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a, it's a really good book. It's it's very well written. The tension just keeps on building, and it's it's brilliant. I love it. So, Sassafras, thank you so much for coming to join us today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. And everyone listening, watching, please check out her books. They're brilliant and full of great ideas to do with your dog or cat. And thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button and make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Positive Posting Conversation. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the show and write us a review via your podcast app. For the show notes, visit companionanimalpsychology.com. This show was produced by Zazie Todd. The music is Melody from Paris by Studio Le Boost. See you next time. <laughs>